But if you willingly know the truth and walk away, it's worse for you than if you never knew. I was reading that in Scripture, maybe it was last week in here. But it is worse for you to have known the truth and walked away than to have never known the truth at all. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for your, for your songs you sing. Thank you for bringing them to the heart, Lord, to us today. To the knowledge that, Lord, you are in this very room. Where two or three are gathered together, you are in our midst. And, Father, we thank you for that. We just pray, Lord, that the boys, as they go down to their Sunday school, that, Lord, they learn, that they listen, that they mind, mind Joanne and Amy, and that they... Uh, do that which uh, they're supposed to do. Help them, Amy and Joanne, to, to teach effectively, Lord, and minister through them to the boys. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Kids may be dismissed. To All right. Church. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's beautiful. It is a great day in the Lord. We are almost finished with 2 Peter chapter 2 Peter we're in chapter 3 chapter 3 the title of my message today is the promise of the Lord's coming the promise of the Lord's coming and he is coming back he is coming back I believe and I attest to the virgin birth of Jesus, the sinless life of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and He's coming again for His church. And this is the promise of His coming. Are we all at chapter 3, 2 Peter? This is now, beloved, the second epistle I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder that you should remember the words that were spoken previously by the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior spoken through us, the apostles. Know this first, that there shall come scoffers in the last days who walk after their own lusts and say, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were since the beginning of all creation. For they willingly ignore that. By the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed, standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed was flooded with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens of the earth the heavens and the earth that now exist are being reserved, reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Beloved, do not be ignorant of this one thing, that, the Lord, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as of a day. The Lord is not slow concerning His promise, as some count slowness. But He is patient with us because He does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. 
But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away, and, a loud, and with a loud noise, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth also, and the works that are in it, will be burned up. Seeing then that all these things are to be destroyed, what sort of people ought you be? Ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? While you are waiting for and desiring the coming of the day of God, in which the heavens will be destroyed by fire and the elements will be consumed by intense heat. But according to his promise, we all are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in his righteousness, wherein his righteousness dwells. Father, we thank you for this word. Father, we give you praise and glory. Lord, we ask that, Father, that as we share this word today and as it is preached and as it is shared, you would ignite it in our heart. That, Lord, we would know it, we would understand it, and, Lord, we would want to apply it to our life. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. There is coming a day. There is coming a day in our life and in our, maybe not in our earthly life, but there is coming a day in this earth that it will all end. That it will all end. It will be gone. Whether we're here for that day or whether we're not here for that day doesn't matter, but it will happen. He says here, this is the second epistle he's writing. He's writing. Now, Peter dealt with in this book, he dealt with the false teachings that were going on in the church. A lot of people were teaching false things, and so he's dealing with all those false things. These scoffers were much like the people are today. Where is this, where is this God you're talking about? Where is this promise of redemption? Where is this promise of the rapture? Where is this promise of His coming? It's kind of interesting that you and I had this conversation last night. But, but understand that it will happen. Scoffers come. Scoffers are, there, are here today. Scoffers laugh. Scoffers point a finger at us. They think God is not here. They think God has left us. God has not left us. So he sends us to, by the way of a reminder, that you should remember the words that were spoken previously by the holy prophets and the, and the commandment of our Lord and Savior spoken through us, the, the apostles. Now, this kind of thing had happened. Historically, what had happened here in this situation? Historically, now. There's a group of people that went into the church. And they had all the good things going on. You know, all the good. They sprinkled a lot of truth with a little bit of false. And as the people believed and went on with that, they began to then sprinkle more false and less truth. And then the people began to then believe what was false and not what was true. So Peter here is refuting all of that because they've been overtaken. They've been overtaken as a church. In a sense, what had happened was, what I pray never happens to any of us, is they were to be an effective tool for God in their area, and what happened is the area began to be affecting them, instead of them affecting the area. 
And so historically, Peter is refuting all of this false teaching. And he's reminding them, saying, this is what you were taught before. Peter, now remember, Peter was there for the three and a half years that Jesus was alive. He was one of the first ones Jesus called. So Peter saw the miracles, heard the teachings, witnessed the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, did all of those things. So he has an eyewitness testimony of what Jesus did and an eyewitness testimony of what Jesus said. And so he can refute all of these false teachings. So he's, he's refuting them, and he's, he's understanding that in that day, they were basically saying, if this is true, why hasn't he come back yet? That's why the statement in there is, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. That's fine. A thousand years is like a day, a day is like a thousand years. That's what he's saying. He's refuting that, because they think, well, where, when's he coming? When's he coming? You said he was coming soon. Why isn't he here yet? So he's refuting that, and he's telling them a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Nobody knows. He says it's going to come like a thief in the night. You ever, you ever have anybody break into your house before? Yes. No. I have. And you don't expect it. You're sleeping, and you're awoken. And you don't expect it. So he's saying it's going to come like that. He's talking about the rapture of the church. It's going to go like that. Nobody's going to expect it. It's going to be gone. We're going to be gone. And we see that in the book of Revelation, where the church is not mentioned after chapter 4. Church is not mentioned after chapter 4. So that means we are going up in the rapture. Now understand that it begs us and behooves us as people to be ready. To be ready when Jesus comes. To be ready when Jesus comes. He's going to come. And I will tell you something that I've said here before. Riding on mom and dad's and grandma and grandpa's coattails of salvation ain't going to get you there. If you're not saved, you're not going. If you're not saved, you're not going. And that's, that's the truth. Talks about one being left and one being taken. Two will be in the field gleaning and one will be taken. One, and the other one will be left. Speaking of the rapture. Speaking of the readiness of His people. We are to be ready. We are to be ready. Did you know that if you're not a believer, God views you as an enemy? Did you know that? God views you as an enemy. And how do we make enemies our friends? By showing them love. And that's what God did when Jesus came into this world. But if we're not a believer, we are at enmity with God. We are at odds with God and we are an enemy. Jesus made the way for us to be His friends by dying on the cross and rising again. To be ready for when He comes back. Be ready for when he comes back. We must be ready. He says in verse 3, Know this first, that there shall be scoffers in the last days who walk after their own lusts and say, Where is the promise of his coming? How many have seen that? Maybe not in so many words. People that make fun of the promise. 
How many have seen that? Maybe not just like that, but how many people have seen that? I have. It says, For since the fathers fell, all fell asleep. All things continued as they were. Read that in Scripture. How many times, how many years did Noah have scoffers telling him, Oh, where's the rain? Where's the rain? Where's the rain? Where's your God? Where's your God? You know how many years it was? 120. 120 years. But it happened. It still happened. God still came. God still came. How many times did Moses get scoffed by Pharaoh? If you don't let my people go, there's going to be a plague on the land. I don't know your God. Get out of here. I don't know him. Get out of here. Get away from me. Scoffing. God showed him. And God's going to do the same thing for us in this day and age, this last age. The scoffers will be left behind. The only ones that are going are the ones that are saved and trusting in God. That's why it's important for us to understand and trust God in every situation in which we live. Now, for they willingly ignore, verse 5, that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed, standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed was flooded by flooded with water and perished. We know this stuff. We know it. And people that know it should be transformed by it. But if you willingly know the truth and walk away, it's worse for you than if you never knew. I was reading that in Scripture, maybe it was last week in here. But it is worse for you to have known the truth and walked away than to have never known the truth at all. It is worse for you. So we must know the truth. How do we know the truth? How do we know the truth of God? How do we know? By spending time with God. I say that every Sunday in this building, don't I? I don't think there's not been any Sunday I have not said that. But we have to spend as much time as possible with God. Spending time in His Word. Spending time in prayer. Spending time with God's people. Some might say, well, I don't have time. If you want to, if you want it, God will carve out the time in your life. Start looking at things in your life like time spent on social media, time spent re-watching television, time spent doing things like that. So many times, and I'm not going to get into a big thing about my feelings on books and audio and audiobooks and ebooks, but how much time do we spend like this, doing this? How much time? Think about, just think about that in your own life. Think about that in your own life. You don't have to tell me how many hours you spend a day. Think about how much you're on doing this. Think about that. Or on the tablet or on the computer doing this stuff. How much time do you spend? If you want to spend time with God... God will carve it out. God will begin to put a desire. That's how we are right with God. 
spending time with Him, spending time in His Word, getting to know His Word, and spending time with His people. Now understand I say this about social media as on the night that we're starting a social media Bible study. Understand that's not, that's not this whole thing, but understand that we are to we are to take that time and carve it out for God. Now, he says, Beloved, do not be ignorant of these things. How do you not be ignorant? Same thing we've been talking about. Spend time with God. Prayerfully consider His Word. Prayerfully consider His Word. Understand it. Ask Him to help you. Prayerfully consider it. He says, he goes on, and he says, Do not be ignorant of the thing that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is of a day. He's saying basically he can come back anytime he wants to. To be quite honest, the Lord could come back in the next five seconds. Think about that. Where would you be sitting in that moment? Would you be here? or would you, I mean, would you be left or would you be taken? You've got to think about those things. The time is drawing near. Would you be left or would you be taken? Don't have to worry about the kids downstairs. They'll be taken. But where would you be taken? Would you be left or taken? You've got to be thinking about those things. You've got to be thinking about those things. We have loved ones. I have loved ones that are far from God. And if it happened right now, they would be left. They would be left. Do I like that idea? No. Do I relish in that? No. Do I, am I prideful about that? No. I urge us today to get right with God. The Lord is not slow concerning His promise. This is the promise of the whole thing. He's not slow considering concerning His promise. As some count slowness. But He is patient with us because He does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now understand that God sees you where you are. He sees me where I am. He sees my faults. He sees my frailties. He sees my falling down and my picking up. He sees that in me and He sees that in you. And He's patient with you and I. He's patient. If He wasn't patient, we'd all be dead. He's patient with us. He's patient because He's loving. Now, does He know? Now, He knows, listen, He knows those who are going to turn to Him and those who are not going to turn to Him. He knows that. But yet, He's still patient. King James says, He is not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. And I, somebody asked me about that one time. They said, well, why, does God, why, why is God even coming back if He's got everlasting patience with us? Well, because... You look at it this way. We all, most of us, all of us in here have kids. Did they all turn out the way you wanted them to? You think about it? I've got two little kids. Brittany's got three little kids. Did they all turn out the way you want them to? We have a plan for our kids' lives. We have a desire for our kids to be a certain way. 
go to college, get an education, all of those things. Does it always work out that way? No. We do everything that we can to make it possible, but it's still their choice. Still their choice. Same thing with God. He's done everything He could do to make it possible for everyone to be with Him by sending His Son to die on the cross. All we have to do is accept it. Do we all accept it? Not everybody. But that doesn't mean He doesn't love you. That doesn't mean He's still not willing that you perish. That's why He is slow concerning His promise. Because He's desiring you to come to be with Him. He is not slow concerning that. He is slow concerning that. He's not fast concerning that. And then He goes on and He says... But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And before you know it, next thing you know, everyone will be gone. Everyone will be gone. Those that you know and love, that you know follow God, if you're not where you need to be, they'll be gone. If you're not right with God, you're not going. And he says this, he says that he said, It will be like a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. And the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth will also, and the works that are in it will be burned up. It's talking about the last, very last, very last thing. After the judgments, after all of those things where, where everyone is resurrected in the end and brought to the judgment seat of Christ to receive your reward or the white throne judgment to be cast into hell, after all of that is done, everything will be burned up. Everything will be burned up. For what? To make room for the new heaven and the new earth. Seeing then that all things are will be destroyed, what sort of people ought you be? Ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? We are to be we are to be holy and godly. While you are waiting for the desiring and the coming of the day of the Lord in which the heavens will be destroyed by fire and the elements will be consumed with intense heat. But according to His promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. In the new heaven and a new earth, there's not going to be any more sin. Those that are there will, have, will not have to deal with the sin of this world. Think about that. What do you struggle with? What do I struggle with? We struggle. I'm talking internally. Heart, mind, spirit. What do we struggle with? Depression? Fear? Anxiety? Pain? Gossip? Tailbearing? Resentment? All of those things. For those that believe and those that are right with God will be in the new heaven and new earth. We'll never have to deal with that again. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. We'll never have to deal with that again. Jesus it says in Revelation that He'll wipe away every tear from our eye because He is God. Verse 14, we'll do this verse. 
says, Beloved, therefore, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent that you may be found in Him in peace, spotless and blameless. You know what that means? Be right with God. Long time ago when I got saved, years and years ago, years and years ago, there was a saying that we used to say all the time from the pulpit was that we were to keep a short account with the Lord. What that means is every single day as you're praying, you take time to repent for whatever you might have done, willingly or, or unknowingly, to dishonor God. You take that time. You say, God, forgive me for... If I've done anything, God, to bring dishonor to you, forgive me. Keeping a short account with God. Being made right. Staying in His Word. Staying in prayer. That's how you live a holy life. Is it easy? Is living a holy life easy? How many of us in here have been with the Lord for over 50 years? Lois has. Ralph has. Has it been easy? No. It's not easy. It's not, the, not, not an easy job at all. See, a lot of people will say things like, well, if you just trust the Lord, it'll be pie in the sky by and by. I've heard that before. That's not what happened. It's hard. But we have to trust God. Things happen. People die. We lose loved ones. We lose family members. We lose friends. We are at odds with other people. But yet, we trust God. Is it easy? No. But yet we trust God. And God makes it easy. Stay firm with God. Ephesians says, Doing all to stand, stand. Doing all to stand, stand. Beloved, since you were waiting for these things, be diligent, diligent being really, 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 really work at it, that you may be found in Him in peace. Peace. You know the greatest gift besides salvation is peace. In my opinion. Because if you have peace with God, you have peace with everything else. Amen. Found in peace, spotless and blameless. If we're at peace with God, there is no spot. There is no blame. There is nothing. But we must get there. We must get there. Because if we don't, we won't be there. We won't be in heaven with God. We'll be apart from God. Do you mind if we just finish this out? Is that all right with you guys? Yeah. We've got about five verses. Keep in mind that the patient of our, patience of our Lord means salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul has also written to you according to the wisdom given to him. 
as in all his letters, he writes about these things in which some things are hard to understand, which, are unlearned, which the unlearned and unstable distort as they do to the other scriptures to their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, since you know these things beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own firm footing, being led away by the deception of the wicked. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Another plea for you and I to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. Why? So that we are not drawn away. So we're not taken away by some of those who distort because of their lack of understanding or unstable uh, living. But to be found in God. To be found in God. We have a firm footing. If you, are, if you are here today and you are following God, you're in a firm footing. You're in a firm footing. You are standing firm on the rock, Jesus Christ. And it is up to us to grow in grace and knowledge of God that we do not go on the sand. Remember that parable? The man who wise man who built his house on the rock? The storms came, the winds blew, and the house stood. But the man who built his house on the sand, the same storm came, and the house fell down. So don't go on the sand. Stand firm in God. Stand firm in God. And God will give you what you need. God is good. God is good. He is one of he is the only thing that'll keep us in our time of need. He is the only thing. Understand that God is really really good. And he loves you and I. He loves us. He desires for us to be better than we are right now. We might think we've got it all together, but he still wants us to be better than we are right now. A greater relationship in him tomorrow than we had today. And so on and so forth and so forth. Growing in grace and knowledge of God. Does that make sense? God is good. And His mercies endure forever. And He is slow concerning His judgments upon us. He's patient. He's kind. You can read all the scriptures in that way. It can really make your faith grow. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, thank You for this Word. Thank You for Your grace. Lord, thank you for your knowledge that you've imparted upon us today. Pray that you'd help us to apply these things to our lives, that you'd minister to us and bless us. And we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you for being here. God is good. What is your story? This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. Are we praising our Savior every day?
Are we praising Him as He sees us through the hard times as well as walks us through the good times? What's your story? What's my story? Amen? Amen. Thank you for being here today. Brittany, thank you for being here. We hope to see you again next week. That's not a hint. Uh, um, anyway, God be with you. And uh, we're going to do the doxology. We do that in here. If you want to sing, you can. If you don't, you can listen. All right. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you all for being here. God bless you as the circus commences.